This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. started here. I've just got a couple of announcements here this morning. So I, I always mention this, but uh, if you want reminders from us throughout the week of what's going on and where you can be involved, if you want to know what's going on with the small groups, make sure that you're getting our texts. You can get those by texting at HB Converge to 81010. Um, We have small groups that meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and actually on Wednesday also, uh, generally at 7 p.m. Those are a little bit in flux right now, so uh, that's one of the reasons that it's helpful to get the text messages, just so that if uh, somebody has to call an audible or meet in a different location or go see a movie together, (laughs) we can get that information out to you guys. Uh, One note for this week is the group that meets at 6.30 on Thursdays, the Rays group, won't be meeting this week. So just a heads up there. And then prayer night at the Shanton home is at 6.30 on Thursday nights. Uh, To keep an eye on announcements that the church has as a whole, you go to hbclynchburg.com slash hub. I don't know about you guys, maybe this says too much about me, but I'm rarely there in the first service when the announcement time happens. So this is a, a helpful thing for me to keep an eye on. And then uh, something that we have been asked to mention as well is there, there were a lot of needs in uh, child care. But actually right now, uh, they actually just need mostly people on Wednesday night. So if you're interested in helping out in child care on Wednesday nights, they still need a few people for that. And that's not a big commitment. There can be a rotation there. So if that's something you'd be interested in, you can reach out to uh, Chelsea at cpbarnwell at hbclynchburg.com, or there's more information to register for that on the hub also. So I won't take up too much more time. I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then I'll be turning things over to the worship team this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for this group of people that you've brought together as we uh, strive together to learn more about you and to dig deeply into your word. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to set aside all the distractions that we have in our lives, that we'd be able to focus on you as our, as our God, as our creator, the one worthy of worship. So Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to join with you in worship today and that you would uh, give Dave your words uh, to speak to us this morning. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we worship the Lord this morning. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Delivered me from every fear. Those who work on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. 
never be again. This golden crown and the Lord her name and save
magnify the Lord. I hope we can. Christ who bore our sins on the cross and rose again on the third day so that we might have a relationship with him. Help me to worship. Call the throne.
Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise his becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. We serve a God who can just speak things into existence. Whether we can fathom that or not, I sometimes have trouble doing. He can do that. You know, they say that when God speaks, Speaks, he speaks through thunder and lightning. I know Pastor Nathan has spoken on this before. It's worth mentioning that when God speaks, it reverberates throughout creation. Now that same God came down to earth to be one of us so that he could bear our sins and become our salvation on that cross. As we continue to worship together, let's Focus on knowing that how the Lord is our salvation.
God, I pray as we continue worshiping through message, God, I pray that you would give Pastor Dave a word to say as he preaches, God. I pray that you would fill this room with your presence, God. Pray this in your great name, your blessed name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, can we thank our uh, worship team for the first time for the semester? <laughs> Guys, we've been uh, starting this, this year. We, we are going through um, all of Scripture in 12 calendar months, which is uh, an ambitious goal. And so um, if you are tracking with us, then you know that this week we read the first half of Exodus. And this coming week, we'll read the second half of Exodus. So in two weeks here in Converge, we cover a book of the Bible, a significant one um, at that. So uh, if you haven't jumped in with us and you don't have some other regular plan of, of reading God's word, of your time with him, then I would encourage you, jump, jump in with us. Um, we're, like I said, we're in the midpoint of Exodus and, and sure... Uh, you have missed some things in Genesis and Job along the way uh, that you know you can recover at some point. But I think it would be great for you to jump in with us in Exodus. So I welcome you to do that. Uh, today we're going to look not at a specific spot in Exodus. We, we will, but not just one. We're going to look at a couple of them to see God revealing himself in a very specific way. You know, that's our purpose in going together through the Bible is to uh, be aware of how God is revealing himself in his word. And so we want to, we want to try to look at that. If you, um, if you read through scripture 
um, either in a group, in, in a group that's made up of people around you here or in one of the larger um, groups around the church that you might be um, in connection with through Signal or in person, um, one of the things we want to do is, is daily really look for a glimpse of how God has revealed himself in his word. And so we get to Exodus and we know that God has revealed himself in very particular ways uh, through um, interactions with the patriarchs, right? If we think of um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then all of Jacob's sons, that there are specific ways. We, we know prior to that that God has revealed himself in, in peculiar ways to Noah and to Job through the things that have taken place. But it, when we jump into Exodus, God is, um, is going to reveal himself in a way that will define him for the rest of Scripture in, in a lot of ways. And also couple with it a description that will be his um, key marker of history of how he's worked in his people that will carry through much of scripture and so we're gonna we're gonna look at that but I have a um I have a task for you first okay uh, I enjoy doing this sometimes and and so we're gonna see how this goes okay I'm gonna give you a google scavenger hunt okay you're gonna have you're gonna have a couple of minutes to find the unless you're history buffs then you won't really have to use google maybe but um if you're not like me, then use Google and or your your search engine of choice. And I want you to find the most significant event that you can that took place in the 1620s. I'll explain why the 1620s in a minute, okay? But but think I just want you to try to find the most significant event that you can from the 1620s or slightly before the 1610s is fine too. But I want you to look for that. I'll give you three to five minutes or until the banter exceeds what we want to have here.
All right, let's take a second, uh, maybe whittle it down to your, to your number one thought. And I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna let people say what they found. Okay, I got one in the back. Pilgrims came to America, so the first Thanksgiving ever, right, happened. Um, that's, the, that's the only one I actually looked up, so I'm intrigued to hear what else we found. So let's go. The first merry-go-round what? Was seen? Oh, okay. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. How, who loves, who doesn't love a merry-go-round, right? I mean, seriously. This is the kind with, like, the horses. That's what we're talking about, right? A carousel? Or are we talk? Yeah, with a carousel with the whole, okay. So we, you got to forgive me. Back in my day, I'm, I'm old enough to remember playgrounds with death traps on asphalt. Like, that's, that's the way I grew up, okay? Um, yeah, okay. Melody's got a, got a microphone. Okay, fantastic. The first merry-go-round. You got another one at your table? Um, 1611, the King James Bible was printed. Yeah, I mean, who, you can't go, can't go wrong with that, right? All right. Who else? Oh, Parker, we got a mic coming to you. Thank you. Um, basically, during 30 Years War, the Battle of the White Mountain. The Battle of the White Mountain. All right, 30 Years War. There's real history buffs coming out right there. Good. I'm not actually sure. I, I'm, a, I'm not a keen historian, so I, I don't know who that was between, actually. But that's okay. I'm sorry. Uh, you can go here and then, and then right back there. Hold on. I might be wrong. Um, okay. Well, everything I'm finding is like the Protestant movement started in the 1600s. I could be wrong, though. Google could be wrong. That's what I, okay. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm Googling wrong. Yeah, 16th century. I mean, yeah, 16th century. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're within 100 years. So. Yeah. Right there. In 1618, the demonstration of Prague happened, which is they threw uh, uh, Catholic world governors out the window, and that started the 30 Years' War. Okay. And we get some context here. Fantastic. Uh, we could go on forever, right? reveling in the events of the 1620s-ish. So here's why, we're, we're done, Melody. Here's why I bring that up. All right, I know you're curious, what would the 1620s have to do with any of this? When we flip the page from the end of Genesis to the beginning of Exodus, we flip 400 years. What was 1620s, okay, was 400 years ago. So what I wanted us to realize was for, for Moses to speak of Joseph when we have a page in between, for Moses to speak of Joseph would be for us to speak of the pilgrims, for instance, time-wise, all right? And so when we, when we read into it a sequential type of understanding of what's going on and 
and read into it a mentality on the part of Moses that seems dismissive. Or we, we read into it the, the people around Moses who would who seem to be enculturated into Egyptian lifestyle. We don't always read into the fact that there's four centuries of life there. And relative, at least from our awareness, silence on the part of God. Uh, probably not exclusively silent and, and certainly not uh, a lack of oral tradition of what God had done and why they were there in Egypt. And, and I, I do not minimize that at all, that the heritage of ancient Near East culture carried through oral tradition was strong. Okay, so I'm not minimizing that, but I also want us to, in our, in our minds, to at least try, because we live in a country that's not even as old as what we're talking about here, the time span, and just flipping a page. But, but there's a significant time difference that takes place, and we don't regularly rehearse the events of the 30 years war and we kind of do of the first Thanksgiving when we make pilgrim hats in kindergarten. But, but nonetheless, we, we don't really, we live in our time much more than we live in that 400-year space that previously took place. Okay? So, so I want us to have that perspective as we jump in here and we begin to see God reveal himself in a peculiar, and I don't say that as like a weird way. What I mean is a unique way. He begins to reveal himself in a way that's peculiar to now rather than before. And, and help it, I hope that helps us to understand the significance of that as, as we do that, okay? So we're going we're gonna to jump between three places in, in uh, Exodus today, but we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. Okay, um, to set the stage, uh, Moses has already been in a basket and saved by a princess and raised in a palace and become a murderer and been chased out of a country and spent 40 years on the backside of a desert raising somebody else's sheep. Okay, this is, this is all taking place prior to where we're at right now. And we're jumping into the interaction between the angel of the Lord, a, a God himself interacting with Moses. And we're going to read in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, okay, now he's, you know, he's pushed back a little bit already on the task that God has given him, which is, as you know, to go and rescue his people, right? Speak to Pharaoh, rescue his people. He's already pushed back some, and this is Moses' next response. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. 
the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. When you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So shall you plunder the Egyptians. God answers Moses' question of, what name should I give him? Um, in, a, in a way that defines him, like I said, for, for the rest of our understanding of God to, to today. Okay? That, that God says to Moses to tell them, I am who I am. And in our own understanding, that seems to be like a stiff arm of, of some kind, right? Like, no real detail there. It's just repetitively redundant and seems like it doesn't tell us anything. And yet what we are getting is a statement from God that says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. We read, I am that I am. Um, it is a statement of affirmation that what God purposes to do, he's going to do. And then he follows that with another statement that the Lord has sent me. This is um, the covenant name of God. And we read it, the Lord, and we read it with little capital letters um, unique to, to Scripture, and unique to this name in Scripture, where, where you and your English Bible probably have Lord in all caps, but shrunken all caps. And that's, a, that's an um, identifier for this name, which is Yahweh. And for not quite the first time, we'll, we'll address that in just a second, but for the first time in a fuller kind of way, God says to his people, Moses in particular, but then by extension, he is saying, this is how I'm going to reveal myself to my people now and moving forward, that I am Yahweh, which also is a form of uh, the verb to be. It's more of a third person, like a he will kind of 
term where, you know, somebody who's talking about somebody else, it makes a little more sense to say it in that kind of way. And, and it wouldn't make sense for the people of Israel to go around saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, when you're saying Yahweh will do this, right? So God gives it, gives it a little bit of a different perspective and, and says it's more of like a he will, but it's, but it's encapsulated in this name. And we don't, we don't translate it all the time in that. In fact, our translation is the Lord because out of respect over history, the, the word usage modifies. And without going into a, a huge amount of detail on that, what, what took place is a series of events where it, Hebrew didn't always have vowels in it. So, so you had a string of four consonants with it. And then um, when... When people came back from Babylonian captivity, when the Israelites came back from Babylonian captivity, in, uh, from my understanding, with, a, um, with all of the best intentions, they were very concerned about taking the Lord's name in vain, which is significant. Okay? We want to take that seriously, too. But with that, they stopped saying the name. And so then, later, as as people, and with, again, their best intentions, start trying to plug vowels into words that are essentially unpronounceable, right, with just a string of consonants, um, they wanted to respect what had been done previously, which, which was to actually put in the vowels from the word Adonai, which is Lord, okay, into this, and we came, we came out with Jehovah, same same consonants in Hebrew that get mixed with different vowels and we end up with Jehovah. And so we, we see a lot of names of God, Jehovah Jireh, for instance, that takes on that, that form of this. But those words are the same and all out of respect was this, was this um, morphing of the word, the name of God, to the point now that in the English translation also to respect the use of God's personal name, we ended up with Lord in all caps, shortened all caps, um, so that we get to identify when that personal name is given, but it, but it kind of, in a sense, reduces that personality in some ways, I, I think I would say. I don't mean to be irreverent with that, but just to say that we rarely use the covenant name of God, and when we do, it seems new and different and kind of encouraging maybe when somebody speaks personally of Yahweh. Have you been around people like that? And you say, if, you, if that's not you, then, then you say, wow, this, this seems like there's a little bit of a different understanding or relationship um, with, with our God, our Father, when you speak of him with a personal name of Yahweh. Joshua Hankins, our kids pastor, Matt and Rhonda's son, very personably speaks of Yahweh. And I think it's, I think it's um, indicative of an understanding of our God and the way he speaks to us, the way he reveals himself to us to be able to, to speak reverently and um, in a glorifying way. who is what he is and does what he says he's going to do. But yet there's a lot of mystery behind this 
name. And so for, for a long time, people have tried to figure out, okay, so what exactly do we mean by the I am or he will? I mean, this, this affirmation that he's, that he's got follow through on what he's going to do. I mean, what does that really mean? Or if we just say I am to the, the previous statement, I am who I am. What, what's God really trying to communicate when he just simply says, I am. And what does that, what does that really say to us? And so uh, on the one hand, there, there are ways that we can understand nuances of this, okay? And then we'll, we'll look at it specifically and what it might have communicated with, with Moses in this particular event. But one of the things that really stands out is that when, when God is able to say, I am, without any qualifiers, we see his self-existence. And self-sufficiency. Um, Pastor Nathan introduced me to a new word um, a while back, and it's uh, in relation to an understanding of God, and that's God's aseity. Anybody know that word? I don't see any hands. Okay, um, aseity. You you can look it up later and fact check me. But but the idea here that we've actually just addressed, but in a in a in a single theological word is that God is sufficient in and of himself, not dependent on anybody else or anything else to be God. And that's part of what I am says. God is going to do great things for Israel. Within the chapters that we're actually going to skip are some of the most astounding acts of God against a people group that we read about in scripture and and we often you know no no shame on this because it's the you know it's it's what we do to try to communicate these things, but we often reduce those to like 10 flashcards with pictures of what the plagues are right and these are these are dramatic acts of God to rescue his people and to bring glory to himself in a nation that doesn't see him for who he is God is self-existent and self-sufficient. Number two, another thing that, that this says is that, that God is the creator and sustainer of all that exists. That by him all things exist. I am. Number three, by, by a factual statement in a present tense, I am, God's saying, I don't change. I'm immutable. Who you knew me to be, who you will see me to be, is I am. And while we talked about this um, not too many weeks ago, where God reveals himself in, in particular ways at particular times, it doesn't change the fact that he is God. And that his characteristics are perfections. And so as he reveals himself in a particular way that we may not see the other side of that coin in a particular event, we, we don't have the privilege of divorcing those qualities from God at a particular time. We just have to realize that we live in a tension of understanding who God is, and so as he reveals himself in dramatic love at one point, and then in dramatic justice at another point, that we understand that God is perfectly loving and just. 
And so and he's, when he says, I am, he says, I don't change. Lastly, um, we also see that God is eternal. So not only is he consistent, self-existent, unchanging, but he's eternal. He same yesterday, today, forever, and that this is what this is what God is revealing to Moses as he casts a vision for what Moses is going to do among the Egyptians and and among the Israelites because his his fight is not simply among the hostile nation that has the Israelites trapped. It's going to be convincing the Israelites that this is the God they serve and that he's worth it. He's going to have to convince them. And so he casts this vision. And, and all through this, he uses his name. So will you indulge me to read it one more time, but with some modifications? Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, Yahweh. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations, including this one, Yahweh. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt and the land of the Canaanites to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do to it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and daughters. So shall you plunder the Egyptians. And Moses, given the personal covenant name of God, is given a vision for what is going to take place still on the backside of the desert, not yet initiated into this beginning stage of rescuing his people. But we're going to jump to chapter 6, and let's look at the next stage. Okay, Moses has made his first introductions to the Israelites. He's also made his first introductions to Pharaoh, and graciously from Pharaoh, he has now given the Israelites a tougher task. Keep making bricks. We won't give you the straw. 
your quota is still the same. And so, not only is Pharaoh mad, but so are the people of Israel as they look at their day-to-day tasks that have now gotten more difficult. And Moses, understandably, is in the dumps a little bit, probably, right? So at the end of chapter 5, it says, Then Moses turned to Yahweh and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he's done evil to this people, and you've not delivered your people at all. But Yahweh said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. We talked about that name a few weeks ago. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians sold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give you for a possession. I am Yahweh. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but... They didn't listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. God gives a passionate vision for what he's going to do, and he will follow through. We know, we know the next steps of the story where we see the ten plagues, and we know that it, it undermines the understanding that Egypt even has of divinity, right? that, that it, these, attack, these plagues attack their um, pantheon of gods. And so now God, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, is bringing Egypt to its knees so that Pharaoh will go and let them, will let them go, I should say. And even then, it doesn't end, right? Because Pharaoh and his armies chase after them. And we see dramatic acts of rescuing on the part of Yahweh for his people. Not long after that, Yahweh gives clear instructions to his people as to what the people of Yahweh should look like. And so to wrap up our time today, I want us to look at some declarative statements of what life with Yahweh is supposed to look like. We're going to look at, Ephes- at, sorry, at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 is where we get uh, the Ten Commandments. Okay, We're only going to look at the first three of them. 
And God spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You, have, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any, a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on, in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, Yahweh, am your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And he goes on, and you might be able to rattle off the rest of the Ten Commandments, but, but in three quick commandments, we see that Yahweh, for people who follow Yahweh, Yahweh is to be reverenced. We see that there should be no no thing put above Yahweh. No idols, nothing should be worshipped in place of Yahweh, our God. We see that his name should be revered, which we talked about earlier, that, that care for the name Yahweh should be, um, should be our, a priority for us. And, and we saw that, you know, that's even why it's not printed in the same way in our text. And then lastly, we see that, that a day of rest in Yahweh, modeled after Yahweh, is something that we're supposed to prioritize so that we can glorify him appropriately from a place of rest in who he is. And so as, as we move away from just thinking, okay, what how did God reveal himself to the Israelites in this particular scenario and, and understand that this was a, a dramatic turn of events? I mean, in, in Exodus 6, we, we didn't go here for really too long, um, but he said, I, I didn't reveal myself to the patriarchs in this way. The Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't, didn't know me this way. And we can look back in scripture and we can see the name Yahweh occur, the, the capital letters, we can see it occur all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. In fact, um, when Seth has a son, Adam and Eve's son, when he has a son, it says specifically at the end of Genesis chapter 4 that that is the time when people started to call out to Yahweh. And so whether, whether we understand this to be the fact that you know Moses wrote all these texts, and so are we using later knowledge to fill in an understanding before, I think that's probably not the case. I think the case is actually that the people of Israel, even through the time of the patriarchs, they, they knew the name 
They didn't understand. And that now, in this, in this event, where Moses is getting a, a up-close and personal understanding of who God is and how he intends to act and the faithfulness which with, he, which, with which he promises to act on their behalf. And then, as they walk through these events, which God promises in detail and then follows through on, corroborating to the name that he's given himself that he will do what he says he's going to do. That it makes a declarative statement to those who follow Yahweh that they need to take that name seriously. And so, as we move away from, from what it meant for the Israelites and what it means for us today as we understand that this immutable God who is I am, who is Yahweh, that he expects us as followers of Yahweh, to react a certain way. And I would challenge you this morning, if you're not habitually breaking down the idols in your life that begin to rise up against Yahweh in your understanding, then they're going to they're gonna creep up to your um, in your lack of awareness, and you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to have a whole bunch of idols that stand in the way of your worship of Yahweh. They can be, they can be a ton of different things. Your own pleasure and your own just um, comfort can be can be an idol, and it can manifest itself in a hundred different ways. Your Fear of man, your need for approval can show itself in a hundred different ways. Your desire to have control over people or circumstances can, can begin to develop in you an image of yourself and what you need out of life to have peace and confidence that will rise up against the image of Yahweh. And if we're not habitually tearing those down, then they, we'll wake up one day and realize that we've been serving an idol. And that now there is maybe not a graven image, but an image nonetheless that's risen up in the place of Yahweh. I love, um, I love how Gideon gets his start. It's really like a jerky interchange, right, between God and Gideon as he, as he gets his start. But the first task that Gideon has to do, and he does it a little bit sheepishly at night, but his task is to go and tear down his father's idols, idol. And he does it. He actually goes in the dark to, you know, protect himself and, and tears down the physical idol that his father is worshiping and leading others to worship. And I've often wished that our discussions could be more physical instead of ethereal, right? That we would have physical idols. I, I know that would be weird, right? To carry around your pocket idols instead of your phone. But, but I often wish that because I would love to be able to walk up to your table and say, okay, it's time to put them out and then smash them for you, right? 
Like, uh, that would be thrilling, for one thing, but that, that would be so effective for me to be able to look at you and say, okay, I can tell, I can tell that it's significant to other people that you're craving, so you need to put out the idol, right? But we don't, we don't have that. And so what we do have is the body. And in community, the body should have enough access to you and you to them to see those idols and to do some idol smashing, even though it's not physical and less fun, but, but it's effective nonetheless. And so community is necessary to be able to do that idol smashing. Maybe, maybe where you're at right now is, is actually that, that second one, that you aren't taking the name of the Lord seriously. And I'm, and I'm not just thinking of, you know, how you use it in exclamatory sentences or something. I just mean that we talk about him flippantly. That when, and maybe we don't talk about him when we have the opportunity. So we would never take the name of the Lord in vain or miss the opportunity to take, to use his name with purpose. Lastly, um, God has designed for his glory that as followers of Yahweh, we pattern our lives after Yahweh who, who rested. And I think that we are prone to busyness and, and overlooking Sabbath. God has designed that for you to model, to model his, his rest for the purpose of knowing him better. So if you find yourself overlooking true Sabbath rest and pursuit of him, then you are missing out on an opportunity to follow Yahweh the way he's designed for you to follow him. And so as we take, as we take this revelation of who God is that was, that was monumental to Moses, I hope there are ways that you can also understand Yahweh better and pursue him more effectively because of it. We're going to have to wrap up. I'm going to pray for you. I've got a couple of announcements to give you and a request um, as well. But uh, I, I pray that you will go from here seeking to know Yahweh better and serve him well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Your grace in our lives, thank you for giving us the privilege of knowing you and for giving us your word that reveals yourself to us. And so, Father, as you have revealed yourself as Yahweh that does what he says he's going to do, who is faithful and self-existent, self-sufficient and eternal, immutable, Father, we pray that we would honor you with how we approach you and and how we speak of you, and how we rest in you, so that we would uh, that we would know you better and represent you well to this world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, a couple of things uh, I got to tell you real quick. Number one, um, if you if you have any trouble parking, the parking lots have started to get full again, and you have special privilege of being able to park fairly close to this building and get a quick exit. We are allowed to park across the street at Tharp Funeral Home. You don't have to stay there long, okay? But 
we're allowed to park there. Um, the only spots that we would ask you to leave open are the ones directly across the street, right in front of the building, because if they do have visitors in their time of crisis, we want those, those spaces to be open. But on both sides, there's probably 70, 50, 70 parking spaces available that are just right across the street. Use common sense crossing the street and all that, but, but uh, you can park there. If you, um, if you don't mind, that would alleviate other parking. Number two, uh, I was asked um, for some help to, to, for a lady who needs to move her stuff. She's, a, um, she's a, an attender here at Heritage, and she's in a bit of a, of a sticky spot. On, on Monday, February 13th, uh, she gets the keys to a new place and has one pickup truck full of stuff that needs to be moved. And so... Um, I, I would love to be able to connect her with um, some people and maybe even help myself if, if I'm able to, but, um, but get that stuff moved a week from Monday. Another thing is um, they're, they're ordering new mulch for the playground out back and five or six guys to, or ladies to shovel um, mulch gets repaid with free lunch. So if you are interested in free food, and this is some nice weather this week coming up, and maybe you have some Caesar hours to do or something like that, we can, we can sweeten this deal a couple of different ways, but, but one of them being free lunch is promised, and so uh, I could use five or six people that would be willing to help with that uh, whenever we can do it. But this, um, this week would be great if we can, if we can work that out. Um, you can come talk to me after this if, if you're able to, or you can email me, text me if you got my number, or respond to our text message announcements. That's all, that's all gets, that all gets to me um, if you want to, or Josh as well. Uh, lastly, th there was a, a camp that I told you guys about that Megan and I both worked at um, when we were in college that's doing a free weekend for college students and young adults to come and see what camp ministry is like because they want to introduce you to it so that maybe you'll come work for them, but if not, that you just know what camp ministry is like. If you're still wondering what's going on for you this summer, the last weekend of this month, February 25th and 26th, is a free camp for a weekend um, to get to know that, that particular camp, and I would love to put you in contact with them. They promised some gift cards, too, for people who attend. Uh, well, drawings. Not everybody. That'd be sweet, though, right? Free camp plus a gift card. Anyway, um, that's all I got for you, except that we do need to put some tables away. Yes, sir. Uh, exit row here. This is our delineator. The tables from here forward, all the tables on this side of the exit signs. Uh, there are eight chairs. The two chairs closest to the stage need to come out. And then for all of these tables back here, tables and chairs need to be stacked and we want the chairs in stacks of six high i know not everybody can help out with that if you have a couple minutes to stack a couple chairs awesome if you need to run that's totally fine and uh, we'll get that taken care of yeah good so six chairs at a table for the first three rows and then the back two rows need to get put away thank you guys for being here we'll see you next time
thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.